Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All set for your flight? Yep, I've got everything I need. Eye mask, neck pillow, T-Mobile, headphones. Wait, T-Mobile? You bet. Free in-flight Wi-Fi. 15% off all Hilton brands. I never go anywhere without T-Mobile. Same goes from a water bottle, chewing gum, nail clippers, okay, passport. Okay, I'm going to leave you to it. Find out how you can experience travel better at T-Mobile.com slash travel. Qualifying plan required. Wi-Fi were available on select U.S. airlines. Deposit and Hilton Honors membership required for 15% discount. Terms and conditions apply. back with another live episode of Bully Ball on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Jason Aponte, joined as always by Steph Sanchez doing a little victory dance. Steph, it's so good to be back. Are the 49ers back? Under these circumstances, it is great to be back, Jay. And yeah, I mean, it, it kind of looks like it, right? We got to see more. You know, there's uh, the second half of the season is long. It's going to be tough. But for now, I mean, we're just vibing because we feel good again. Yeah, and again, it's funny. When the 49ers win, it's always these like, well, we really can't complain about too much because it was a blowout, right? Like the, the 49ers have yet to win a game in which, you know, things haven't gone right or they've had to to play from behind or things like that. But, man, when they win, they win. And they certainly won. So coming out of the bye, going into this game against a playoff team, this is very much a statement game by the 49ers. And this is something that they needed um, in all facets, right? Steve Wilkes coming down from the, the booth is a point of contention. I do want to kind of retract a little bit and say that it definitely was a good idea, certainly. I don't think for the reasons that people had, but there was definitely good things with it. But, Steph, I want to throw this to you as a fellow sneakerhead. Are people discounting the fact that Steve Wilkes was wearing bread 11s after he got out the booth and he's on the sideline? Like, this man had his outfit picked out, like, the night before and, like, <laughs> laid it out, and the bread 11s were a part of it. Are we discounting the sneaker heat as the reason that the defense turned it around this week? I mean, you look good, you feel good, right? Like, right. me and you know that more than anyone, right? Oh, so, yeah. so what do you think he was wearing in the booth, though? You think he was wearing some Keds or something, and now he got it? He's back down. He he got to bring the heat. Is that what we think is happening? And then, I mean, and then suddenly he's calling better plays. <laughs> I mean, it, I'm going to be on TV. I've got to look my best, right? I mean, I would imagine that Steve Wilkes was probably in that booth wearing Crocs or something. And not to dis, <laughs> you know, to downplay Crocs. It's just when you're going to be sitting for a little bit, right? Nobody's going to see. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. But I guess that's the best place to start, right? Because as much as we had questions about the offense, it was more about them not turning the football over and killing themselves at this point. So I didn't have too many questions about the offense, especially with Debo and Trent coming back, but I think it's the defense is where we should start. So yeah, it's all this talk about, well, what were the adjustments? Well, there's not really one thing that you can point to. Um, pass rush gets there. Secondary doesn't have to, to cover as long. Secondary actually covered and it helped the pass rush get there, right? All of that stuff like went hand in hand. But I think the first thing that I took away was first two, first two plays, five down linemen, one linebacker, 
and Diamador Lenore in the slot, Ambry Thomas outside. The biggest adjustment it looked like, Steph, was they wanted Isaiah Oliver off the field regardless, right? They just wanted him off the field, and they gave Ambry Thomas a shot, right? Yeah, and I think you got to respect what Ambry Thomas did. If you had told me that Ambry Thomas was going to be the answer for the secondary in week 10, I would have probably laughed in your face. It was not in my bingo card, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, but he did a great job, like only 14 yards allowed, uh, one forced incompletion, no touchdowns allowed. He had that one play that was called back that he would have taken for a touchdown. Guys acting goofy on the sidelines right. there, getting right. into the field, Kyle included. But, you know, I, I think he did a great job. The one question that I have with Ambry Thomas still is can he keep it up? Because we have seen, like, a good game from Ambry Thomas before. The The thing with him, though, is that then he gets into these stretches where he's kind of bad. And then, like, he gets targeted a ton. And then, like, it all kind of just falls apart for Ambry. And so if he can continue to play at the level that he did on Sunday against the Jags, then the 49ers have no business even thinking about Isaiah Oliver once again. And actually, I thought it was interesting that Kyle Shanahan yesterday, Monday, spoke with the media, and he said, like, you know, they would explore – going week by week with deciding, okay, is it going to be Ambry Thomas on the outside, Lenore in the slot, or will we have um, Isaiah Oliver in the slot? Like they're going to play it by ear, play it by the matchup, it seems like. But I don't know. I don't know if I like that either. Are they just having opponents guess who's going to be the nickel that week and maybe that'll be their advantage (laughs) for the week? I don't know. But uh, good for Ambry, man. Like, I I think we were all hoping he could, you know, turn a corner this season. And certainly, uh, you know, based on this game, it looks like he might do it. But I want to see more from Ambry. But as far as, like, the defense as a whole, Ambry being one of those adjustments, um, you know, I think it started with the trenches for this team, right? And it started with stopping the run, which is one thing we've been saying for a while has been during these losses, one of the things as – hindered them as a team in their three losses they were giving up an average of 122 rushing yards per game right on Sunday they limited the Jags to just 17 attempts and 59 yards on the ground so job done job well done right and I think that forced of course Trevor Lawrence who is a very talented quarterback to throw more and because they made other adjustments. Like it wasn't just Ambry. It wasn't just, you know, Wilkes being on the side. It wasn't just Chase Young. They did a bunch of different things. They disguised coverages a little bit more. They were showing different looks at the line. I mean, you had Nick Bosa and Chase Young rushing from the interior. So it just got Lawrence thinking just a second or a point two second or more, right? Like Lawrence was getting the ball out the second quickest this season. I think it was before this game. It was 2.41 seconds. On Sunday, the 49ers forced that time up by 0.3 more seconds. And when you look at, you know, the losses or even just going back to the start of the season, and we're all always talking about the 49ers are getting pressure, but they're not getting the sacks, is literally a game of inches. And it's literally a game of point seconds. You know what I mean? So I think just that extra time that Lawrence had to think about what he was seeing, what the 49ers were doing. All of that clicking helped the 49ers get five sacks, the two interceptions. And when, you know, the the Jags playmakers did get the ball, they forced two fumbles. So I think, like, the defense, they were in a favorable game script all game, but it's because they put themselves there from the very start. And even when the Jags got in the red zone, like, they got nothing. They had one field goal all game, three points all game. Um, And so I think... If the defense is going to play at this level, they control their destiny, right? And it's hard to beat them um, when they're doing that. And going back to Steve Wilkes, you know, being on the sideline, I still think that as far as the play calling and as far as how the defense plays, small difference, right? Like, quite honestly, the defense looked as good as they did against the Cowboys. Steve Wilkes was in the booth for that game, you know, so... But it was nice to see the face-to-face interaction. Like there was a few times that the cameras like panned over to see uh, Wilkes talking to 
um, Tarverius Ward. And then he had a moment with like Ambry Thomas, you know, so that stuff like that was cool to see. Uh, I think I saw Wilkes even smile a time or two, right? So <laughs> that was also nice. Uh, so I appreciate all of the little changes they made that seemed to, you know, show up big on Sunday. Yeah, and speaking about Steve Wilkes and Ambry Thomas, Ambry Thomas' mouth, uh, you know, I, we're all, um, what are we? We can read lips. We can read body language as 49ers fans. He said, I'll never forget you. And that, to me, spe speaks to either Steve Wilkes has been pushing to get him on the field or Steve Wilkes was the driving force of getting him on the field. So when we talk about Ambry Thomas, the – the thing that I'm going to point to is when he was pressed into duty as a rookie, you know, D'Amico Ryans did all he could to put him in, in, in spots where he didn't have to, you know, cover by himself. Everything that, that they were doing was like kind of disguising it for him. I would suspect that that's something that they want to do. I think what's clear is that Isaiah Oliver is out of favor. Like it's just completely like to a point where they don't want to see him on the field. And that was the idea of bringing in an outside corner anyway, was to kick Lenore inside. Right. And Lenore, you know, he he gave up seven catches in this game, but I think anybody would be in the slot and they're going to go after them. I think because Christian Kirk was just, you know, running around like a madman in this game, right? So, like, mm -hmm. I don't I, – the only concern that I have about this defense going forward because, yeah, that was a masterful performance, you know, with the with the exotic looks. I mean, you got Young and, and Bosa over the over the center and, and mugging the A-gap. Like, that's something that the Jaguars weren't looking for. You're like, oh, how do we stop them off the edge? Nope, they're right there in the A-gap and they're coming for you. Um the missed tackles is, is still something that is a little bit concerning. I just don't understand. Like it's, it's, it's not one person either. Um, It's, it's, it's Warner, it's Greenlaw, it, it's Hargrave, it's Lenore. It's all of those things. Like that's the only complaint that I have about this game. It's just, you can't continue with the missed tackles because the missed tackles lead to big runs. Right. And, and they could have stuffed out all those drives. Like if they were able to just wrap and tackle. Right. Like, so that's the only thing, but, the Steve Wilkes thing on the sideline, right? Like you see the moment with Ambry Thomas. Ambry clearly, you know, understands what's in front of him, right? When you get your opportunity, you have to seize it. Um, but he did. He he did the Javon Hargrave um sack celebration. Shout out to Javon Hargrave. Good to see you, buddy. There was a lot of talk about, hey, you might not play this game. What's the contract uh return on investment been looking like? Okay, well, we can knock that off, right? And then there's this heartwarming moment with with Chase Young and Bosa, man. It's almost like my goodness, like, it's you know, romance. separated. Yeah, that's there. It's just so happy to be together. Um, but yeah, having them both contribute again, the precious thing was was fine. We could always point to that. But this pass rush certainly looked like the pass rush we thought it was going to be. And hopefully that continues. You get Eric Armstead to get a sack um, as well, too. Um, yeah, I mean, look, not really many complaints. And, and, and can someone explain to me? what sort of deal with a sorcerer that Talanoa Hofunga has made because it doesn't matter where the ball bounces. It could, it could bounce out of bounds. It just falls right in his hands. Like, I don't understand how this man just is like, Oh, my ball, you know, oops, interception. <laughs> he's in the right he's, place at the right he's like time. Not, he's like not even near the play. He's like on the other side of the field. Whoop. Oh, the ball bounced here to me. It's like a Madden glitch. Um, but Hey, um, better to be lucky than good um, in certain times. So yeah, the defense incredible, right? Like you only allow three points. You talked about the red zone. Um, fumble the team seemed like they rallied around ambry as well too that's why everybody got all excited so yeah and there's a uh, young and bosa right there on the screen as well too and and it was a forced fumble right so again when you're turning the football over when you're pressuring the quarterback when you're actually covering pretty well and you're not penalizing yourself right like i think that's really the thing that yeah. that we're looking at in this game it's like it's funny if you don't commit penalties if you don't turn the football over funny enough how that works Steph. you win football games and and I think that's kind of like where we've been this whole time with this this losing streak. It's like all this stuff is correctable. All of it's right there to be corrected, right? Like it's it's not you getting flat out beat by anybody. It's you have all the opportunities. You are moving the ball. You're just letting penalties or or turnovers swing the game. And nobody can win that way. Nobody. I just watched the Buffalo Bills lose yesterday because of stupid penalties, because of stupid turnovers. Like that that is how you lose football games, regardless of how good you are. So when you clean that up. That's the performance that you get. That's what you look for, right? You're not going to win every game by 30, but you are better than most teams when you go out there. You just got to execute. Yeah, and there's a couple things that you brought up that that I do want to touch on. So the missed tackles, they had seven against uh, Jacksonville, right? And if you look at the three losses, seven is an improvement. While it's still not, like, great, you, mm -hmm. you don't want to see seven. At, against Cleveland, they had 10. Minnesota, they had nine. Against uh, Cincy, they had 13. 
So seven is an improvement. And while, you know, we do want to see that number improve, at least it's a step in the right direction. Now, as far as the penalties go, they actually had more penalties than the Jags on Sunday. So another thing that can stand to improve, they had seven penalties uh, for 90 yards. But in this game, it didn't hurt them because they had other things going for them. We talked about the turnovers and things like that. So, and, and it's actually one thing that I've been mentioning for a bit. It's like the margin of error or the, the margin of victory that teams had against them in those losses were so small enough, or at least in the fourth quarter, it was still so close that you felt that even if they fixed one of the things that was wrong mm-hmm. on defense or even just the offense, that they can win those games. And so speaking that's of, why. Speaking of Buffalo yeah. real quick, Ken Dorsey just got fired. <sighs> Keep going, though. I'm sorry. Remember when uh, people wanted Ken Dorsey? Remember when Ken Dorsey was the fix? Yeah, I, I'm old enough to remember <laughs> when Ken Dorsey was the fix for the 49ers offense. Good times on 49ers Twitter. That's really, really hilarious. Keep going. It's not hilarious that he lost his job. It's just It's just funny that people just say things. Yeah, always just say things. But, you know, 49er fans, we're we're very uh, reactionary, so it just comes with the territory. But, you know, the, the 49ers, while they're not perfect, even after this loss, like I think, again, we're seeing some of those things improve. And that's really all they need. That's that's all they need to do. That'll keep them their heads above water for a lot of these games. Now, when they get into this tough stretch, when we talk about them playing Seattle, Eagle, Seattle, when they, we talk about playing the Ravens, when we talk about the playoffs, that stuff's going to need to be cleaned up, right? But they have they do have some time. So as long as they are more balanced on defense and offense, I think they're going to be okay. We'll see more games like the one we did on Sunday. And all it took was Steve Wilkes to come out of the booth. Who knew? Who knew? Unbelievable. Um, so, again, with the defense, looks exactly how we thought it would, especially up front, right? Like, and the Chase Young thing can only help. Chase Young didn't even start the game and was on, like, yeah. a bit of a limited snap share. So, you can expect uh, a more of a ramp up. So, very good things going on in 49er land. Look how quickly the narrative switches. Like, after a bye week and then one week and, up, oh, Niners are back, right? Like, it's it's just how weak the week and reactionary the league is. But let's flip it over to the offense. Um... Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I want to start with the most pressing thing because it's really important that I get this off my chest. Why did Sam Darnold not be good enough at quarterback to get Christian McCaffrey his touchdown? <laughs> that's the question that I want to ask them. Uh, yeah, that's a, that was a little frustrating, right? That they couldn't get that done for, for McCaffrey there, but... I, me personally, Jay, I I liked that they did it. I yeah. I liked it. Like I, they were having fun out there at that point. Yeah. Like the game was sealed, and I know it was a risk, right? Like obviously, there's an injury risk when you're up like 31 points and you have your best one of your best players out on the field um, late in the game trying to get that record. But you know what? I think that's one of those moments where it's bigger than the team. And Mm -hmm. that was all about Christian McCaffrey right there. And because everything that he did and has done for this team and the time that he's been here, that man gives 110% on every single play. Mm -hmm. The least the 49ers could do was give him that opportunity to get that record. Cause that's, that's Christian McCaffrey's legacy right Right. there. You know what I mean? And that's something he's going to remember forever. Um, and so I, I liked the gesture and I, I think, uh, McCaffrey appreciated it as well. Um, sucks that they couldn't get it for him, but Hey, 17 
straight games with a touchdown. That's still incredible. Yep. That's still tied for for the most. And as Brock Purdy said, hey, don't worry, man. We'll do it again. So uh, we'll see if that happens. Brock Purdy, by the way, played a, a phenomenal game. And I think this time we were able to appreciate it a lot more, not just because it was in a win, but because, you know, there weren't any turnovers from his side like they were in other games. Because, I mean, honestly, like he played a good game against the Bengals as well, Vikings. Like you look at a lot of those plays, a lot of what he did throwing the ball, and it was good aside from the, you know, egregious interceptions at the end of the game. So I, you know, credit to Brock, 296 yards, three touchdowns. He was a perfect six of six on throws of 20 or more air yards. He was 15 of 17 from a clean pocket, eight of 12, 143 yards and two touchdowns when pressured, including his best throw of the day to George Kittle for the score in the third quarter. Um, I mean, this is just what we've come to expect out of Purdy. And I still, at some point, like we are going to see it again, him playing from behind, him playing in an adverse situation where he's going to have to dig them out of a hole. We are going to see that. I still have questions about that and, and what he's going to do. But in the meantime, like in this game and the way that it worked out, the way they were able to get up early and they never looked back, I mean – this is the Brock Purdy that we know and that we love. So I, I really appreciated the the performance from Brock. And now we have a, a full 18 games uh, from Brock as a starter for this team. And it looks pretty good, right? Yeah. And, and all right. I want to, I don't want to start yelling or anything like that, but I Why do you, have strong, I yell? do have strong opinions. I do have strong opinions. And I want to start with the fact that largely Brock Purdy has played like this and he's played like this throughout the Cincinnati game, like until the end, right? Like when it's the, it's the turnovers, right? Like, but for the most part, Brock Purdy has played like this, this season, right? Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the need, the rush to crown him and the rush to knock him down. Right. I've never seen any sort of, any sort of quarterback discourse like Brock Purdy. Right. Let me give you an example. Trevor Lawrence is the number one pick, right? And Trevor Lawrence goes out there and I think Trevor Lawrence is a very good quarterback. Didn't have a great game, right? But when Trevor Lawrence struggles a little bit, it's, oh, well, you got to give him time. You know, again, it's only his third season or, you know, or his weapons, right? Okay. When Brock has a bad game or a poor performance in certain aspects, oh, he's bad. He's just bad. That's it. It's over. The, the, the amount of time and the amount of leeway that so many other quarterbacks are given, even when they struggle for weeks and weeks and weeks, is not given to Brock Purdy at all. And when he plays well, and when he plays well, it's, well, it's the it's the scheme, it's this, it's that. Like, I'm tired of the discourse around Brock Purdy having to be top 10 or better than this guy. None of that matters outside of just noise and, and, and for conversation. What you need from Brock Purdy is what you saw this game on Sunday. No turnovers, clean football, delivering the football, I don't care if you have him ranked top five. I don't care if you have him ranked top 10. He just has to play clean. The, the discourse surrounding Brock Purdy needs to be better than this guy. Is he elite? Who gives a he, If he performs that way, does it matter? It does not matter. All of that is extra noise. But what I find frustrating is when, you know, even like a guy like Justin Fields or Mac Jones, oh, well, you know, they're, they're struggling and they, they need more time or they need a different coach. But with Brock, it's so final. It's either he's elite or he's terrible. I don't understand how we have lost the quarterback evaluation process with the discourse around Brock Purdy, right? I don't want to rush the judgment on any sort of quarterback, right? I want to wait two, three years. I want to sample size, right? That's when you really get to a point where you understand who that quarterback is. But yet, after 18 starts or 18 games, right, like 14, 15 starts, it's got to be so final with Brock. He's got to be a finished product one way or another. He's either elite or trash. I've never seen any sort of discourse like this around any quarterback. And it just happens around Brock Purdy. It is insanely frustrating. I don't care if you think he's better than Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. It does not matter. He has to play like that. And if he does play like that, then fine. Have your arguments. I don't care about any of that. None of that matters. When, they, when he plays like that, this team wins. There. I had to get it off my chest. Tired of it. I mean, it's true. As long as the 49ers are winning games with Brock Purdy, it doesn't really matter where people have him ranked, what people think about him. 
and everyone is going to have a different opinion. I, I think a lot of that stems from where he was drafted and because a lot of what he's doing now, it's like, okay, we didn't really see that in college or we weren't really aware of it. So we got to see it now. And there's a, there must've been a reason he was the last pick in the draft. Oh, that's why he threw a pick in the, in the fourth quarter kind of thing. So, I mean, but in actuality, like the book isn't written on Brock Purdy. Like he is still evolving. He is still growing. That is the truth. That is a fact. I mean, same thing for Trevor Lawrence. Like if we're being honest, like let's, let's just hold them to the same kind of standards that we do young quarterbacks who are growing and evolving and, and all these things. I'm just, I'm happy that that Brock is the quarterback of the 49ers. I I'm glad that Kyle Shanahan has a quarterback he can trust. Jay, it was it was second and inches. It was second and inches when they called that play for George Kittle that ended up, you know, scoring yeah. that touchdown. What do you think uh, would have been the play call on a play like that just a couple years ago? Quarterback gonna... sneak, baby. Yeah, I'm just going to assume <laughs> quarterback sneak, you know, you run your, your running back up the middle kind of thing. I mean, that's what I would have expected. A second in, second in inches, you know, like yeah. it, that's easy. Uh, but I think that just shows the balls. That just shows the trust that Kyle Shanahan has in, in Brock. And it's for a reason, right? It's not for nothing. Kyle doesn't just like trust guys um, out of nowhere. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's great to see. I do want to talk, talk about uh, Kittle, though, for a second, because I am happy that guys like Trent Williams and Debo Samuel are back. Like, I think we've mentioned it before how much this team missed Debo Samuel. But I am happy to see Kittle continue to stay involved in the 49ers. Like, I don't want to say, like, game plan, because, like, it's not like he was that involved, but he it wasn't exactly, like, forgotten about either. And him being involved doesn't mean that he gets a lot of targets, which I think is okay. I, I think I could live with. His targets dropped from 11 in Week 8 to just 4 in Week 10 with Debo back, but to me, he's still involved because he still makes a big impact with his plays. He's doing more with less. And you only need a few of those you know, kind of plays with George to make an impact. Like half of his 116 yards on the day came on the touchdown play where he got a bunch of uh, yak on that one. So looking back at his past games in week nine, he had, oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait. This week, sorry, week 10, uh, three catches, three went for first down or a touchdown. In week eight, nine catches, six went for first downs. Uh, week seven, five catches, four went for first down. So it's not a ton. It's not a lot, it's, but it's it's making an impact on the game. It's moving the chains, you know? So that's that's all I need from George Kittle, really. Like, he doesn't have to be this world beater kind of guy. But it's nice to know that you have that in your back pocket. And not only is it nice to know, but we're we're seeing it. It's nice that they're actually, like, he's getting these targets because he's always been this guy. Um, but having him... him having him involved and it seems like he always gets going in like the second half of the season for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, but I, I'm just happy to see that it looks like he's going to continue to uh, be involved. Yeah. Three straight games over 75 yards, back to back hundred yard games. Um, yeah. And, and we kind of forgot like last year, Brock Purdy and him were heating up like, and that's where Kittle got all his touchdowns. So yeah, it is good to see him involved. I mean, again, you, you have Debo there, which has all the gravity and he scores a rushing touchdown as well, but getting, keeping Kittle involved um, helps ease Debo back, right? Like where you don't have to really go right to him. And then that particular play that you were talking about on the pass, it's impressive because while it looked like the pocket was collapsing and it definitely was, the, the drop back was set to hit, I believe, the dig route. So that's why it wasn't a, a deep drop back. That's why the pocket, if it looked a little muddied quicker, um, you know, obviously it looks bad and it looks like McKibbitz is getting beaten. Sure he is, but um, it's not like a seven-step drop. So that's why it happens. But he stands in there and he puts that ball in the only place that that kid can get it. And the joy on Kyle Shanahan's face, man, like the, the joy, right? Like we're so used to guys running wide open or having a one on one where the ball goes over their head and like Kyle just throws the plays. Yeah, just like the, <laughs> the yeah, the, the play sheet down. It's almost like the perfect call. Nailed it right there. He is right there. Look at like a fist pump from coach. Look at him. And he knows it too. I'm not even going to watch like that is so baller right there. Like it's, it's, you can't imagine how many times that Kyle Shanahan dials up the right play, the mm -hmm. right throw, 
They get the right matchup, everything that they want, and then the ball just lands incomplete or isn't even thrown, and he ends up being frustrated. That's the trust part that you're talking about. That's why on second and inches or maybe fourth and one, he's comfortable throwing the ball. He trusts Brock Purdy, and he he does. And 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 why not? Look at that throw. So you have the 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 short drop back. The ball comes out while there's someone bearing down on him, and he just lays it in there for Kittle, who can walk into the end zone. Man, I I that is super impressive, super impressive. Best throw of the day, but. That's the one that everybody's going to look at. But there were so many other just like Brock's putting stuff on tape. That's just looks regular. Right. But they're fine throws. Like if if Mahomes or Josh Allen threw that pass. Oh, my God. Did you see Mahomes and Allen? And, and for everybody, it's just like, well, it's just the scheme and it's just the, the playmakers. It's like, no, that's a wheel route that you got. You got right there. Like you got that like uh, on on matchup. And then you and then you hit the throw while the, the pocket's muddy, man, like. I just want to make sure that I'm on, on record and saying that Purdy was incredible. And that's that's how he's been for most of the year without those little streps, stretches of like where he throws interceptions and things like that. But regardless, moving on, the running game looked a lot better, I think. Um, Christian McCaffrey almost getting 100 yards, right? Like how much of that has to do with the fact that he probably is a little bit better. But I did want to highlight somebody before we talk about, you know, the running backs. Man, John Feliciano played very well. And we heard Kyle Shanahan say that he already was about to be up next. Um, rotating with Burford. So it sounds like Feliciano stepping right into that Brunskill role. Um, now the conversation when Aaron Banks comes back is, man, do you just move Feliciano over to right guard? Even though Spencer Burford had his best game this year. I mean, in PFF's eyes um, and, and as far as like pressures and everything as well too, but Feliciano was great in this game. Um, I think he had one pressure, one hurry, but run blocking, he was actually um, graded out very highly. So I wanted to make sure you gave him some some props because it was Cole McKivitz and Trent Williams who had four pressures each, um, which Trent wasn't obviously healthy. I, I, I think that if that's baseline mm-hmm. for him, it's, it's going to get better. But, man, Feliciano was good, and you could see the run game looking a lot better with McCaffrey. I mean, even for a little while, dare I say, Elijah Mitchell was moving the football a little bit, huh? Like, I know 8 for 25 doesn't look, like, really good, but it seemed like he's starting to get into a rhythm. So, Steph, is it a matter of just maybe Feliciano helping out or just maybe McCaffrey getting a little bit more healthy? Well, I think it's it's a number of things, right? Like, certainly Trent being back was a big deal. And even him not being 100% makes a difference. Like, he was on the move, uh, blocking to the second level on a couple of plays, right? So that right there gives your run game a boost. Uh, Debo being back also, I think, helped a ton. You, you saw uh, Jags defense respecting the motion, you know, something we hadn't seen in the last few weeks. So that's Debo right there. Um, but, you know, I think with I don't want to call it an emergence quite yet, but with Fel- Feliciano having a good game and I, I think it gives the 49ers options, right? It gives them options on this offensive line. And maybe you you want to see if you can move guys around at that point. Now, Feliciano has a few more weeks, maybe like I, I don't know how many more games he's going to play until Banks is back. Right. But. It, it definitely gives you the option to maybe move him around, see what he might look like on the right side. Um, I mean, even Colton McKivitz, I don't know if they have as many options for um, moving McKivitz well, somewhere. Kyle Shanahan, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan did say that they are going to start working Jalen Moore at right tackle. So Colton McKivitz, Which is you're, great. you're on watch. And that's not me putting you on watch. That's coach putting you on watch. Why would you mention that? Pat Why would you put buddy. that out there? Why? Yeah. You, hey, look, man. Get it together, pal, because they're looking at Jalen Moore. Sorry, you keep going. No, but that's great, right? Because I think the question, a lot of people have floated the idea. Well, Jalen Moore looked good at, at left tackle. Like, we should move him to, to the right side. Everyone says, and it's true, like, well, that's not as simple as just saying it, Definitely right? Not. Like, it's hard to go from left mm-hmm. to right and, and vice versa. But if the 49ers feel like that's something he can do, and if Moore feels like that's something he can do, and you know maybe they have some weeks to try to figure that out and and get him some experience there during practice and whatnot, then yeah, I mean that's again that's just another option that they have to to go to. And so injuries aren't great, you know you, you don't want to go through injuries, especially on your offensive line. But if it has given you the chance to look at your depth, and your depth is is playing at at this level then yeah, it opens up some doors for opportunities. And I think it could be great for them in the long run and in the second half of the season to find out who are their strongest five guys on that line. Yeah, and and again, I, I 
stand on this, you know, the biggest drop off from starter to backup besides quarterback is offensive line. Nobody yeah. has six good linemen. Nobody has seven good linemen, right? Like nobody. It just doesn't happen. That's why you don't trade linemen really, right? Because it's such a premium position. But the idea that Feliciano can kind of fall into this Brunskill role, which I felt was so valuable last season. And when he left for the Titans, I kind of was upset because I'm just like, damn it. That kind of like relief pitcher or just in the pinch, right? Uh-oh, your center's down. He can go there. Uh-oh, your guard's down. He can go there. Uh-oh, your tackle's down. He can go there. Like that is something that is really invaluable. And again, when I say that the Brunskill role is important, it's not like I'm saying that he's an all-world person. It's like when you need baseline just competency mm-hmm. at the position. How many people can have confidence in someone like that? Right. And I think that's what Feliciano is like. He's been a starter in this league. So I, I do think that there, there is value in that. Right. So now Kyle Shanahan talks about, Hey, he's going to rotate with Burford. Okay. So clearly they're seeing things that we're seeing with Burford in terms of where he's struggling a little bit. Right. And then to put out there that Jalen Moore is a possibility of right tackle. So clearly you've been worried about this right side. You have been worried about this right side. Right. So, I think it's interesting that he kind of floated that out there himself. Again, that's not me telling Cole McKivitz, hey, you're on watch. That's not my words. Those are your coach's words. you got to know that they're going to start working on that. And to Steph's point about left tackle and right tackle, it's like almost backwards. Everything that you're taught at left tackle, you have to learn backwards at right tackle. So it's not like Madden, right? Like when you take a tight end, put him at fullback, he can block just as well, right? Like it's not like that. So there is a little bit of a learning curve. So that gives you time to improve, but also just know that that's kind of something that's being floated out there that's in the in the background to let you know that you do have to pick it up. They are concerned about that. So, you know, in a game like this where the 49ers do whatever they want on offense, clearly the offensive line isn't going to be a subject, right? Especially when, you know, there's two sacks only on, on Purdy and the offense is moving the ball well. But the 49ers are thinking long-term, like, hey, when we face more ferocious pass rush and, and when we get into these dog days games like like, you know, in January, we're going to need to have this line fortified. So I, I do think that they are trying to shore up the one thing right now that has fans a little bit uneasy, right? Uneasy at times, especially when you see how the, the right side of the line has performed. Sometimes it's been good. Sometimes it's been bad. Just hasn't been um, consistent. Um, I think Ill Manning is far off from, from playing right now. I think Feliciano's far ahead of him right now. I think that's an interesting project. You keep him around and everything, but I would say that the next two guys up are Feliciano and Jalen Moore. Everybody else, Jake Brendel had a very good game in this game as well, too. Um, so that's good to see. So, but yeah, back to the running game. Um, when Christian McCaffrey gets to almost hundred yards, and you can see five a clip, right? Like that—that's really what you want to see, right? And it keeps the offense on schedule. What's funny about this offense stuff is when they actually had to punt the ball, it was because they committed their own penalties and put them behind the sticks. It wasn't because Jacksonville was stopping them. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what you've seen from the 49ers. It's like the defense isn't stopping them. They're stopping themselves with either penalties or turnovers, right? Funny how that works. When you have penalties and you, you're behind the sticks and now it's second and 20, yeah, it's hard to play from, from those uh, places, right? Again, same thing with Buffalo, right? Like you, you have these horrible turnovers, you have these horrible penalties, and now all of a sudden your offense looks crazy. So it's funny how when this offense is on schedule, the only thing that could really stop it is them. Um, it, it's really hard to slow them down when they're not when they're not turning the ball over and they're not penalizing themselves. But Christian McCaffrey looks good. Dare I say Elijah Mitchell, even for that last drive, maybe the Jaguars defense was gassed. Maybe it was just them giving up and it was at the end of the game. But he actually started to gain positive yards. I know that that sounds like I'm being, you know, a jerk about it, but I'm not. I'm just saying, like, that looked like he might be getting into rhythm. How much of that is is the injury? How much of that? But, like, he was gaining yards. I was like, all right, cool. Like, you know, you're moving upfield. You're not just getting stuffed in the backfield anymore. So um, the running game, good. Obviously, George Kittle, very good. Brandon Ayuk, 355 and a touchdown. Kind of want to go back to that throw, right? Um, because PFF has something that's called uh, TWP, which is turnover-worthy plays. And it's always kind of thrown at the feet of Brock Purdy. Well, it's turnover-worthy plays, right? Like, I mean, it's a grade and a measure for every quarterback. Kyle Shanahan called that decision one of the worst decisions Brock has ever made. Steph, I'm a big process over results guy, but when the result is that, can you really be that upset? Uh, Kyle's funny because yeah. it is not the first time that he he's said something like that. Uh-huh. But I understand where Kyle was coming from. I think a lot of us do, right? Because it was yeah. like one of those where you're like, oh, no, what is he doing? Oh, nice. Like, I you right. back there. Um but I, I thought it was kind of ironic because just coming off this bye week, coming off like, you know, those turnover 
uh, games that he had, you know, Brock spoke to the team, I guess. And he is talking about, you know, I got to be better protecting the football. And then like his first touchdown was that throw. It's like, yo, uh-huh. that, that could have been bad, but you know, it, Brog is one of those guys who takes, he does take risks. And yeah. I think he needs to be a little bit better at taking calculated risks. You know, mm-hmm. maybe think about it just a little bit more. But that's one of those things. Him taking risks is, is one of the things that makes him, I think, who he is and mm-hmm. makes him like a, a good quarterback. And, and when you see those throws fall like they did uh, on that touchdown, I mean, you're you're gonna love it. Like those are the things that we cheer about. But of course, like when it goes awry and it, it ends up being a turnover, it's like, damn, Brock. Like, why did you do that? You know. Mm-hmm. So it's like a double edged sword a little bit for him. Uh, but I get it. To, I don't know. I think it was a little harsh to say that was like the worst decision he'd ever made. Kyle's so blunt. <laughs> he's so he's so blunt. Like I almost feel like he was just he made it seem worse just to make a point. But, you know, that that's just Kyle. But, you know, obviously none of us are going to have a huge problem with that. He also said it took him a while to get over it. Like, come on, Kyle. Like, (laughs) you just went up 7-0. And and for what it's worth, um, PFF did not deem that a turnover-worthy play, right? So he had zero in this game. Uh, One of my favorite movies is actually on um, HBO Max called Major League. And the way I interpreted the way that Kyle, maybe after that, um, there's a scene where Willie Mays Hayes catches the ball with a basket catch. And, like, he he doesn't put two hands up. And he he goes, nice catch, Hayes. Don't ever do it again. That sounds exactly what Kyle told him right after. Like, (laughs) I, I love that movie so much. But that's how he kind of interpreted that. Like, I just could imagine Kyle just being like, nice throw, Purdy. Don't ever do it again. (laughs) <laughs> so I look, I think they were having a little bit of fun. Um, but uh let's take this from James. Thank you for the donation. Just tuning in, but hopefully the answer to this question is they're not back to being the best team in the NFL. There are teams who have not skid. Let's just continue to see no ricochet analysis. Yeah, I don't think uh we're saying they're back to being the best in the NFL. Um, I think when they execute and when they don't penalize themselves and don't turn the football over, that's the team that you can see um every single week. You know, you know, obviously that doesn't mean you're gonna blow people out by 31 points. But when you execute and you don't commit mistakes and you're able to stay ahead of the sticks and, and operate your offense, that's what you'll, you can see in terms of like a dominating victory. A dominating victory doesn't have to be 31 points. Um, doesn't mean that you have to put up 30 either. Um, but that's what you can see from this team. I wouldn't say that like they're right back to being the best team in the NFL. I wouldn't say that right now. But I definitely that looked like the team that we saw earlier on in the year when people were thinking that. So and again historically the for, the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan, they peak at the end of the year, right? Yeah. Uh, what do we always hear about them going into the playoffs, Steph, whenever we hear uh, media? Uh, nobody wants to see the 49ers. You don't want to play them, right? Like, like if they can continue to be that team as they go forward and they've got some tough games coming up, obviously the ones that jump out of you are the Baltimore, um, the Baltimore matchup on Christmas, Philadelphia, Seattle twice on Thanksgiving. I swear to God, that Thanksgiving game, we have to have that one. We, I, You are not going to ruin my Thanksgiving. <laughs> we have to have that one. Um, but Again, as long as guys are getting back and things look to be flowing in the right direction, who cares where they're ranking the 49ers? As long as the 49ers end up being that team that nobody wants to play at the end of the year, can't ask for anything more. Still not all the way out of the number one seed. Um, Obviously, you need some help. Buffalo, it would be nice if maybe you figured it out and could beat the the Philadelphia Eagles next week. You know, that would be really cool. I mean, be really neat of you to do. Um, But they have a tough stretch. Kansas City, Buffalo, Dallas, Seattle, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. One of those games has to go in the favor of the other team. And then you have the game against Philly. So you can make up that game. Then when you look at Detroit, Detroit scares me a little bit more than Philly because their schedule is cake. Like Mm -hmm. Minnesota twice. Although Minnesota's playing very good football. I want to make sure that we said it, man. Look at Josh Dobbs, man. What a season. They're just trading him around. They're just trading him around. Right. Uh, Rocket sciences. They're just trading him around. He's just going and being solid. Like that's insane. What a story. Right. Um, That's why football is so great. Um, but they got Minnesota twice. I think they've got Chicago, Green Bay. I think the two toughest games that the Lions have left are the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints. Um, they probably will be favored against New Orleans. I would probably take them to beat the, the Cowboys as well, too. So who knows? Maybe Detroit. Uh, you know, they don't lose anymore and they become the, the number one seed. So it's all kind of right there for the 49ers. And and I don't really care like where like if we look at the power rankings and like today they come out and it's like, oh, the Niners are fifth. I don't care who's in front of them as long as they're continuing to ascend. 
and come together before the playoffs, that's all we should really be worried about. And as long as they're relatively healthy, health seems to be the only thing that can slow this team down um, and put them in positions where they don't look like that team that they were um, in five straight weeks. So. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk uh, had a quote. It was uh, November, December football is a time when dogs, real boys, come out to play football. It's like, right. you guys can't be dogs all season. Like, what hap- what happens in October? Like, can you explain <laughs> October football to me? Because you guys are not dogs in October. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that irks me to no end. But I, I do am, I, I am glad that they do obviously still have a chance. While it's not a big chance. Oh, they I'm sorry. And Philadelphia nothing. plays Kansas City, I believe, on Monday, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, that should be a great game. So, uh, let's go, Chiefs. One, one Monday game I'll actually watch because I certainly I, – I didn't watch the one yesterday. This hey, look. Like, it some wasn't, of the primetime games have been trash lately. Oh, yeah, it wasn't pretty, but it was entertaining. Uh, I, I'll say that at least, right? Like, it was entertaining because there's no way. That, that last sequence with the 12 men on the field, oh, man, if that was 49ers land – if that was 49ers land and the, the kicker lines up for the game-winning kick, misses it, and they have to redo it because you had 12 men on the field, and then he drills it to beat you, good God, the meltdowns. And now Buffalo sits at 5-5. Five and five. That is really disappointing. And now Ken Dorsey's out of a job. But, yeah, and, go for it. I'm sorry. Yeah, primetime games. Well, at least Thursday is going to be good, right? Cincinnati-Baltimore? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This week week is actually going to be a good week for for primetime games. But, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited that the 49ers have some chance at least. But I do hate that they drop games, um, especially the ones that they should have won, because I feel like the way they look the first five games of the season, the first seed was in their sights. And now it's like, oh, you got to dig yourself out of this hole that you put yourself in. I just get frustrated about those things. Maybe it's like a little irrational. I know they'll still make the playoffs. They're they're still poised for a deep playoff run and all that. But just, it's the little things, man. It's the little things. You're in yeah. this like window that, you know, it's 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 narrow. It's a narrow window. And so, you know, you got to take advantage of the opportunities in front of you, man. You can't you can't be dropping games. But anyway, I obviously I'm glad that they won the game on Sunday. I'm not right. gonna. Sit here 100%. and be like all pouty. 100%. 100%. I mean, again, uh, it's easier to talk about this team when there's these victories. And the 49ers, when they win this season, we're just like, hey, man, there's not really much to complain about. Like, there's not really much to talk about. Um, it just seems to be when when they do lose, it's the fashion that they lose that that is particularly frustrating. And then you look at those games and how they could have been won. Um, you know, you have a moment, like, with the ball in your hands to, to finish the game. Like, those are the things. I think that's the last box that needs to be checked off with this team. Is like, can you win one of those close ones? Can you every every game's not gonna be 30 points and just you running away with it? Sure, that'll happen. Um, I think the 49ers are really good at like avalanching teams. Like when things start going well, um, then it just like it can snowball fast against you, like real quick. But I wanna see them in the in the mud, right? Like, and I think Fred mm-hmm. Warner was talking about this. I wanna see them in the mud. I wanna see them where they where it's not so easy. I wanna see them finish a game like that. I think that's the last thing that you have to check off because I think that's what's going to be in front of you uh, with the playoffs as well, too. So A plus for the offense, A plus for the defense, A plus for special teams. Hey, Mitch Wisnowski, man. Uh hey. Hey. Say it, say it. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Why did I why did I like catch someone doing that this weekend? I'm trying to figure out like where I was or if I was watching something. But I heard a, that this weekend. Somebody watching like, soccer or rugby? Oh, I don't know. I gotta remember it. Keep going. But <laughs> no. I a plus everything, A plus coaching, A plus offense, A plus defense, fine holiday fun on Sunday. One of those games that it kind of felt like that Steelers game because Kittle scores right out of the out of the gate in the second quarter. And it's like, all right, this game's I mean, in the second half, like, all right, this game's over now. Like, this is it. Um, you're you're one-dimensional now. You have to throw the football. Uh, we needed this one. We kind of needed this one. But again, you know, you'd like to see them win one of those close games. But yeah, this was this was an easy one to digest. Um, a lot of good, not too much bad. Uh, but when you win by that margin in the NFL, you realize that it's not typical, but you just enjoy it because it isn't typical. That's why. All right. I remember the story now. All right. So go. I was at Disneyland this weekend, right? I was there Friday, uh-huh. Saturday. Saturday rich we did California. Stuff. What? How is that? How is that rich people stuff? Oh, oh, pro tip? Because I'm not I'm not a rich people, but pro tip, Costco. Costco has some really good deals, some really good package deals. This is not a uh, sponsored statement. I'm just throwing that <laughs> out to check there. Costco. 
I'm just throwing that out there because that's how we got our our tickets, and it was uh it was a great deal. I'm not gonna give all the details here, but go look that up. Anyway, so we were at California Adventure, <laughs> California Adventure on Saturday, and they have like I forget what it's called, but you get to talk with the uh, Crush from Finding Nemo, the turtle. Uh, yep. Um, and so it's interactive. He talks with people in the crowd. There was someone from Australia in the crowd, uh... and he was like, "Hey, Crush said, hey, uh, Americans, like you want to see something real cool?" And he was like. Aussie, 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 and they finished, and they're like, "Oi, oi, oi, oi!" Oh my so that, god, that happened. That happened on Saturday. That's that was before the game. Maybe, uh-huh. maybe that's all. You know, good omen. Look at that. Good omen, man. Everything good in Forty Nineers Land when Steph could take a rich person trip to Disneyland and and get a and get a Mitch Wisnowski reference. It is. I, I went to the one in Florida. I was bleeding through the nose no, like with money. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Oh, it's a lot. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I'm not a rich person. Uh, on that note, um, guys, um, thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you guys follow uh, Gold Standard Podcast Network wherever you get your audio podcast. Like and subscribe to the channel um, as well, too. Follow Steph on Twitter, at Steph49K. Follow me on Twitter, at JasonAponte2103. Make sure you guys are dialed in this week with all the content that's coming down from the network. Make sure you guys check out GoldStandardNiners.com. Uh, make sure you check out Steph's YouTube channel, my YouTube channel, uh, for all the content that we have coming. Steph, it's really nice talking to you after these wins. We always seem like it's it's just an easier time to come to work, right? Like, And it just feels good because the bye week was filled with we're trading this player and trading this player. Idle time, idle, idle hands are the devil's playground, and idle time is is the worst thing in the world for Niners Twitter, I believe. So, um, kind of good that we actually have actual football to talk about. Um, so it's always good to talk with you after a, a win. But as always, we're out of here. Thank you guys for tuning in. Peace. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.